The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Star Wars 7 by 7 episode 1374 today. At long last, my interview with Jason Fry, the author of The Last Jedi Expanded Edition, a.k.a. The Last Jedi Novelization. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, I'm Brian J. Jones, author of George Lucas The Life, and you're listening to Star Wars 7 by 7 the only daily Star Wars podcast. Jason Fry, thank you so much for joining me on Star Wars 7x7 again. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be back. Oh, absolutely. And uh, considering our last conversation, I have to ask you, and for our listeners, just so you know, it's not lewd or lascivious or anything, what are you wearing this time, Jason? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, PJs, a, uh, a giveaway Mets shirt. Which ah, is clean. Okay. <laughs> and slippers. So, All right. yeah, we're, we're doing a little better. Excellent. Excellent. Were you at one of the games this weekend, this past weekend? I was not. Nah. Uh, I'm actually, my baseball debut will be later this week, but I'm going to a Yankee game. Oh, my. Is, uh, I know. I know. It's loyalty. It's a thing of the past. <laughs> it's not a. Uh, it's not an interleague thing. They're not cross town rivalrying it already, are they? No, no. Just a chance. A chance to an old friend of mine is in town, and that's uh, because we're both baseball nuts. Yep. That that's the backdrop where we'll get to catch up. But uh, all baseball is good baseball, e- I... even if it involves the Yankees, yeah. at least for a night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will have to agree with you on that one. I am a born and bred Dodgers fan, so I, yeah, I think we sh- might share a common enemy in that regard, just based on the way I'm hearing you talk about the Yankees. Yeah, no, I was watching the I was watching the Dodgers last night. Uh, rise, come up off the uh, deck and shellac the Giants pretty thoroughly. So yeah, baseball is back, isn't it? Great. Oh yeah, it absolutely is. But of course, we are not here to talk about baseball for our listeners. We are here to talk Star Wars and the Last Jedi novelization. And congratulations, because this means you are also now a New York Times best-selling author. Then officially, right? Yeah, uh, that was fun. Um, I had actually cracked that list once before. Okay, but it was it was interesting. That kind of came with an asterisk. Um, but it's it was kind of a good story, so I guess it's the last time I get to tell it. But um, <laughs> back when I did the Clone Wars visual guide, uh-huh. uh, that uh, made the list. Um, but it's interesting that was kind of right. That was 2008, I want to say. It was right when they had um, they had changed the way the bestseller list was formatted, and they had broken it down uh, into kind of all these components. So yeah, so the Clone Wars visual guide was a New York Times bestseller, which was great, except it was a New York Times bestseller in like, you know, like white square movie tie in books. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it counts. It, it meant they could put that um, they could put that on on uh, book covers still for till time immemorial. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So they were both pretty fun. But, 
Yeah, it was. Uh, but I mean, to be more serious, it was it was really great to see uh, that. Just because you know that that book, obviously, the novelization came out uh, at a different time than novelizations usually have, and uh, it was great to see for me for the book for Star Wars in general that uh, people were still curious about the story and and the book, and uh, I wanted to check it out. So yeah, very uh, very heartening and a lot of fun. Yeah, and so, you know, you bring that up and and I immediately want to go to the question that I almost don't want to go to because it's rather difficult to see how divisive the movie seems to have been among the fan base if you really want to call it divisive. I mean, it still had tremendous critical reviews, of course, and it made about as much money compared to the force awakens as the empire strikes back did to the original star wars so you know it's hard to say that it really was but i would say mainstream media certainly tried to make it seem like it was really divisive but you know you see those reports coming out about the movie and your novelization is not coming out until almost three months later like what goes on in your head when you see something like that were you concerned about the reception that the book would have as a result um a little bit a little bit. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you though. I'll I'll tell you how my thought processes went on that though. Um, I mean, I loved the Last Jedi, and I remember being surprised, uh, frankly, by some of the early negative reactions that were out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, yeah, you know, I remembered something. I remembered, you know, back when I first read the script, I'd honestly needed some time to to kind of sit with that story a bit and, and think through it. Um, and reflect on it. And, you know, it took me a little while. Um, But after thinking it over a little while, I I, I got what uh, Ryan was after, and I came to appreciate it. Um, You know, uh, this is not going to go the way you think. I mean, that's an iconic line already, but it's an iconic line because it's perfect for that movie. I mean, it's really true. I, I think some people out there saw The Last Jedi, and they felt like it was deconstructing the heroic stories we've come to expect when we go in and see a, a big popcorn movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get that. Um, but I think if you sit with the story a bit, um, the way I did, you realize something that, I mean, yeah, it raises plenty of uh, thought provoking questions about stories like that, but ultimately it's not really a deconstruction of them. It's really a reaffirmation of them. I mean, if you think about, I mean, there was so much noise around, say, Luke's characterization, but I mean, think about what he does in the movie. Um, I mean, he starts off dismissively asking Ray if does she expect him to go out with a laser sword and face down the entire First Order. And at the end of the movie, that's exactly what he does. Right. Um, So, you know, I mean, that's that's an interesting kind of tricky uh, switcheroo, if you will, in a movie that's full of them. Um, so, I mean, look, I mean, people don't have to like the movie, obviously, I and mean, people can think whatever they want, but I do hope some of those fans who had negative reactions early had some time to wrestle with Ryan's story. I mean, that's only fair. I mean, I, I did some of that myself, um, mm-hmm. and then wound up viewing it differently. And so, you know, I went through all that and then my hope was that, you know, if the novelization is something that can help people reconsider the story that, you know, that's, that's pretty awesome um and uh you know maybe by coming when it did it was uh it was sort of it was nicely placed for that um but i will say you know that 
was not something I thought about once those reactions started in. And um, how can you really? I mean, that's just going to mess you up, right? Yeah. I mean, well, for one thing, we really, um, we really didn't have time in the production schedule to do any substantial revisions uh, based on reactions like that. Uh, we were pretty much up against it uh, as we were. I mean, they were, we, I was able to do some kind of nipping and tucking from actually from uh, seeing the movie a couple more times, but not really beyond that. But I mean, even if there had been time, I don't think that would have been a good idea. Um, the story's the story. I mean, you you got to be loyal to it. I mean, that's really a commandment for these sort of things. And so how long did you have with it? You said that you had to have some time to uh, to, you know, to think on the story and mull it over, wrestle with it, meditate on it. Like, When did you actually see uh, the, the script for the first time? Oh, goodness, I'd have to go back. But, I mean, I mean it, had, it had been quite a while. So I had... Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did. Ha- I did definitely have some time uh, with it. Um, we, one of the things that was really helpful, also, is I mean, I, I sat down with Ryan out at Skywalker Ranch at the end of uh, July 2017, mm-hmm. and um, you know, as as part of my prep for that conversation, I had read several iterations uh, of the script, um, which that was super helpful, just for not only understanding the story. Uh, but also, you know, understanding, you know, the evolution of the story and, and Ryan had very kindly invited me to take anything from those earlier versions that I thought might work, uh, for what I was doing. And, um, I, I really can't say enough how much that helped. I mean, he was just really generous, uh, with that material and also, um, just trusting me with his story. I mean, that meant an enormous amount. It was a great, uh, it was a great starting point. Um, yeah, go ahead. Oh no, uh, I've just—I definitely want to hear more about that collaboration process mm-hmm. because the whole novel is pitched as being written with input from Ryan Johnson. So, yeah, you know, obviously, earlier drafts of the script and looking at things you can take from there to enhance the story—that's fantastic. Like, what other kinds of things did that collaboration look like? Well, I mean, we as I mentioned, we sat down uh, at a Skywalker Ranch, which was. I mean, as you might imagine, it was a pretty amazing day uh, on multiple levels. Um, Had you ever like, been there before? No, that was really? one of the things. Um, oh, no, never. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I was getting to sit down uh, with the writer and director, uh, which was pretty great. And we were at Skywalker Ranch, which was also pretty great. So. <laughs> Is it hard yeah, for you to get into spinning. like yeah the mindset, like you know, to step out of, all right, I know I'm here for business, I'm here to be you know <laughs> professional, but... That is really Shangri-La for all intents and purposes. I mean, do you allow yourself a moment to go, ah, I'm here, and then, okay, I'm settling? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, both of them. I mean, yeah, totally, uh, you know, totally let myself just, just kind of blissfully geek out over it. But then, yeah, then you had to stop. It was time to, time to get to work. Oh, yeah. Uh, particularly, you know, Ryan, Ryan was still working, so his time was valuable. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you, but you, yeah, I definitely had to get it out of my system. Um, <laughs> it was really funny cause I mean, what, what used to happen to me, uh, before that for a while was I would, people would find out what I, what I do and they would have two questions inevitably. One was, have you ever met George Lucas? And, uh, and I'd be like, no. And, um, <laughs> the second one was, have you ever been to Skywalker Ash? And I'd be like, no. And after that they were like, well, 
Yeah, and they kind of like, ran out of things to ask me and <laughs> kind of done talking the conversation. With you. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So after that, at least you know I could say, well, I, I could say yes uh, to the second one, though not for a while. I had to keep it under my hat, which mm-hmm. is uh, part of this. But um, yeah, so Ryan and I, I mean, we sat down for a couple hours and we covered a, a lot of ground. Um, he talked about kind of how he saw the characters. Uh, emotional journeys, uh, their arcs, um, decisions he'd made in the movie about how to present some of them, um, why, uh, certain scenes were, had been deleted from the movie. That was, that was really important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for instance, it was one thing to know that a given scene had been deleted just for runtime or pacing. Uh, to me that meant, um, you know that to me that meant that 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 stuff was up for grabs if if it deepened the story and, and fit what I was trying to do. But you know if it had been cut for some other reason, that was good to know too. I mean the last thing I wanted to do was was reintroduce something that had been dropped because uh, Ryan had taken the story in a different direction or um, you know sharpened a movie uh, the way he wanted. Um, but yeah, so we talked about stuff like that. Um, we. Uh, we we brainstorm a bit about how to translate some of the visual storytelling in the film to the page. I mean, there, there's actually, there's a lot of that in the Last Jedi. Um, you know, we've got the the kind of Rashomon style flashbacks to Kylo's training. Right. Um, really, the toughest one is the transition from uh, the mirror mirror cave to uh, Ray and Kylo in the hut. Um. You know, in the movie, we, we get Ray's voiceover. And, I mean, if a voiceover is something you're used to in visual storytelling. It, it lets you know that the character's telling someone what's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and the shock is seeing, is visual. The shock is seeing, you know, oh my God, she's telling Kylo. Right. Um, but that's entirely visual. And, you know, when I reached that, when I, when I, I kind of reached that scene... I realized that, um, you know, I essentially had to rebuild that on the page. Like the visual surprise would not work on the page. And right. I had to essentially uh, go after it completely differently. And, uh, you know, we brainstormed stuff like that. But, yeah, that was that was probably the most challenging thing in the book. I, I walked around for a couple of days kind of muttering to myself, uh, <laughs> trying to figure out that one. But... You know, the the biggest help Ryan gave me was something he said uh, about his own approach. He said that he tried to make sure that The Last Jedi had lift, not drag, was the way he put it. Um, so, you know, even when the characters are, were wrestling with something huge or, you know, momentous events were just around the corner, uh, Ryan had tried to make sure that the movie had moments of adventure, fun, you know, that kind of star Wars flash Gordon feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved that. And I made that kind of one of my commandments, uh, in adapting the story, uh, lift, not drag. So, you know, was there a place I could extend the dialogue a bit? Uh, could I try a different point of view? Was there, you know, a bit of fun lore I could bring in? Um, I mean, I just thought that was great advice, uh, not just for that project, but for future storytelling, uh, lift, not drag. I think that works for so many things. Yeah. And in, in talking with him about, you know, the movie and about the, you know, the broader idea of it's not deconstructing the 
um, the characters in the heroic journey. It's actually reaffirming them. Um, you know, I think a lot of people probably reacted most seriously to Luke's journey. And I know there are a ton of people that I talked to over the years before The Last Jedi came out who were just like, I just want to see Luke kick butt. I just want to see him go crazy. And you know, did you happen to talk with Ryan all about you know the choices he made for Luke and about the fact that basically they are all trying to warn us with this isn't going to go the way you think. Like I think we were really being warned as best as they possibly could <laughs> about what we were going to see. No, we didn't really talk about that. That's probably it's it's an interesting question. Looking back on it, I think it's because I had gone through that processing, mm-hmm. um, you know, and had 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 come around. Uh, and understood what he was doing and how that how that fit uh, the story and the characterization. Mm-hmm. So I think I'd been through that, which was good. Yeah. Um, you know, it it's funny though. Um, you know, I mean, I've I've been reading, watching, consuming Luke Skywalker stories for forty years, <laughs> which is kind of amazing. Yep. So you know, obviously getting to uh, present that moment um, in, a, in a novelization was, was, was pretty amazing. And um, it was funny, when I was, when I was writing my way through um, the book, I kind of always knew where that scene was, like mm-hmm. where I was um, in relation to it. Like, I, like it kind of had its own gravity. Yeah. You know, oh, I'm five scenes away, I'm, I'm whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I got to it, the the writing actually, the writing that scene actually wasn't hard at all. It just came and and off I went. And you know, I realized that's because I'd already written it in my head like mm-hmm. twenty, thirty times because uh, <laughs> I knew it was so huge. But mm-hmm. yeah, when I got to it, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And um, you know, I'd, I'd kind of already done the work. So uh, yeah, that was that was an interesting thing. Uh, in the writing. But, you know, then of course I went back and read over what I'd done another 20, 30 times, making sure I thought I'd got it right. <laughs> well, this is also, I think the first time you've written a novelization, uh, as opposed to just a whole novel by itself. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So I know there are probably a thousand different ways you can answer this. The most obvious one being, well, because I had the story already handed to me, but you know, how is that process different um writing a novelization versus just writing something from from whole cloth as it were uh the first thing i had to get through my head and really internalize was that it was ryan johnson's story not mine mm-hmm. um it, it, maybe that sounds obvious but you know i'm a an ambitious writer with a reasonably healthy ego. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was a really important thing to, to take to heart, uh, long before I, I got to writing. Um, you know, particularly when we knew we were going to do some additional material, uh, whether it was deleted scenes, uh, whether it was entirely new scenes. Um, I mean, my job was to, take Ryan's story and uh, adapt it for a different medium. And it was not to change that story or, or bury it in my own stuff. Um, you know, I've, I've read novelizations where the, the author clearly kind of had a bone to pick with the story and was <laughs> yanking against it. And, you know, I've read novelizations also where they're 
basically the the screenplay with you know some some uh, quotation marks and you know both of those things were things that I, I wanted to avoid. Um, so I mean I was looking for ways to enrich and, and deepen the story uh, that Ryan had written, whether it was by you know, exploring thoughts, motivations, and backstories, which is something um, a, a novel can do, I think, a lot more easily than film. Um, right. Or, you know, looking at historical context or lore, or, or yeah, you know, crafting some new scenes uh, that would reinforce uh, the plot, the themes, uh, etc. But, um, so that was job one, but I don't know. It's, you know, Star Wars projects are always written with an eye on other stories. And, um, you know, also as importantly, there, there's, you have to have an awareness while you're working that you need to leave room for, for future stuff, uh, for other storytellers. Um, and I had a fair amount of experience in that. Um, you know, I've, I've adapted Clone Wars episodes, um, I've had projects where I, the basic building block of the story was handed to me, and then I, I filled it in. Uh, the Weapon of a Jedi, uh, which was really important for the for the novelization, um, the Weapon of a Jedi followed that blueprint. Um, you know, the Servants of the Empire Quartet that mm-hmm. I wrote uh, those four books. That was the most open ended. I could with with Zir Leonis's quest uh, to rescue his sister. Like I had full freedom to figure out how that would turn out. Uh, but even then, you know, that series included a big chunk of one uh, Rebels episode and intersected with some other moments in the show. So, you know, that that's kind of a range of experiences. And as I started the novelization, I felt like I could draw on all of them, which was a big help. And you mentioned, too, like writing with an awareness of other Star Wars stories. And you actually wrote a post for StarWars.com about how you connected to the novelization of the wider world of Mm -hmm. novels and short stories. So, first of all, I mean, just, I know, I I don't know if everything is captured in that article or if that was just, you know, the highlights, but just, it was absolutely amazing to see how thoroughly you connected this novelization to other stories in the Star Wars universe. It is just absolutely remarkable. And I know you have a deep love for all of the works in the Star Wars universe and for your fellow writers as well. So I imagine some of that was done out of love, but I imagine there was some of it that was done out of necessity for lack of a better way of putting it as well. Would I be right in that way of thinking? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, to me, they were the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, go back to what I said about enriching and deepening uh, Ryan's story. I mean, one way I could do that was to, to tie it in with other storytelling uh, in ways that, that once again, you know, wasn't something the film could do so easily. Mm -hmm. I mean, whether that's, you know, frankly, that began with other movies. Um, uh, But, you know, you also had the novels, the comics, uh, the video games. Um, That was a way to do that. But I mean, for me, the key was you had to make sure that those connections were serving Ryan's story. Um, I mean, if any of that material in there is, is lore for lore's sake, then, you know, I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think those connections help, help the book, which was job one. But, you know, having said that, oh, absolutely. It was a blast linking things up. Um, you know, Star Wars really is the world's best storytelling sandbox. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, those of us who get to play in it are, are incredibly lucky and, 
you know, we know that as part of that, though, you know, you got to share your toys. And, uh, <laughs> you know, one thing I love is, is, is all my fellow authors are really generous about doing that. And uh, so, I mean, yeah, that was that was a blast. And, you know, I, I hope I threw some more a couple of toys of my own into the mix, too. I imagine you must have, because I see the references, you know, in that article to, um, you know, to Phasma and to Cobalt Squadron and to Canto Bite. And um, I I just found a nod to the uh, one shot, the DJ's most wanted comic mm-hmm. book thing. There was a nod to the No John's gang, and that was only mentioned in that comic book. So um, but what did you what did you do for your own stories? Like what links did you put in for your own? Uh the there's a couple things um the weapon of a jedi first of all was really helpful mm-hmm. um for this book i i call the weapon of the jedi kind of my my luke and the force boot camp like <laughs> to be honest those were aspects of star wars that i didn't didn't necessarily ring naturally to me i was more of a kind of a you know han solo fast ships guy mm-hmm. um okay and so when i when i prepared to write uh, that book, which was part of the journey to the Force Awakens, um, you know, I, I threw myself back into the uh, into the original trilogy, watching uh, the Luke scenes and thinking about them, and thinking about the character a lot, and then also thinking about the nature of the Force. Like, um, you know, that story was set in an interesting place. It was Luke trying to do some training, but before Yoda, so. You know, he had to realize something kind of fundamental about the Force, mm-hmm. um, but he could only go so far into it. Like the last thing we wanted to do was step on the um, on the uh, Dagobah scenes, um, and so I mean that turned out to be a great experience. Like it taught me a lot uh, in terms of working out like how Luke thinks, how he acts, how he approaches things, but also you know how he experiences the Force and kind of some fundamental insights about that. And all of that really carried through uh, pretty helpfully for me um, into the novelization. I mean, one of the things I knew I wanted to do from the very beginning was have a sense of, of the Force uh, almost as a character in its own right. Um, you know, the, the Force is something that a lot of the characters uh, interact with, um, whether they're trying to make it uh, do their bidding or whether they're trying to understand its will, et cetera. And, you know, whether it was Luke, whether it was Leia, whether it was um, Ben Solo, whether it was Ray, whether it was Snoke, whether it was Maz, you know, I wanted there to be a commonality to those scenes, mm-hmm. almost as if we were kind of, you know, eavesdropping on a larger conversation um, that force wielders uh, would understand. Um, and so, yeah, weapon was a, a huge help. Uh, in that way, um, as well as, as little little nods here and there, um, you know, there's a bunch of the stuff about uh, com- various commanders going about their business. I mean, it has nods back to uh, levers of power. Mm-hmm. The story I wrote about Ray Sloan, which was was fun to incorporate, or, or even little things like, I mean, in Luke's dream, the Empire has the Death Stars destroyed. Uh, Chandrilla and, and Moncala, which is actually an idea. Like, where would the Emperor have gone next? Uh, that that was an idea that actually goes all the way back to Essential Guide to Warfare. Um, so yeah, little things like that. But I mean, I, I think again, the important thing is, you know, I hope all that stuff is in service to the story. Like that was really, that was really the way it had to be. That was my job. 
And you did a fantastic job. And I, particularly when you talk about the Force, um, the sequence where Luke is meditating and opening himself up to the Force for the first time in so many years, part of what you write in there talks about not just the living Force, but the cosmic Force. And you mm-hmm. define it as something that has uh, a will and a purpose and an awareness all its own. And that was a really remarkable passage, I thought. And you, you talk about getting the Force involved almost as if its own character. That really sets it up right there for the reader or the listener. I'm actually listening to it via audiobook. And um, mm-hmm. it's it really establishes it, I think, you know, most uh, overtly as a potential character in that way. Was that... You know, you know how how much of this is something that you really wanted to call out versus how much is more like subtext i guess uh i definitely wanted to call it out um for instance i mean the prologue that i wrote has attracted a lot of attention oh um, yes and i do want to ask you about that as well, if you have because <laughs> i know we're we're pushing time here but oh i'm good all right um yeah i mean for instance that was one of the reasons for the prologue um you know, why is the prologue there? Um, a couple reasons. I well, mean, Tyler, can, was... I, can I step you back yeah, on yeah. a second on that? Um, sure. Like, t- where did the prologue even come from? I mean, and maybe that's yeah. part of what you're about to tell me as well, but just, you know, is was that an alternate scene from the script? Is that something that's wholly of your own creation? Like, let's, give me the whole thing about the prologue. Sure. Uh, <laughs> no, that one was all me. Um, it was there for a couple reasons. I knew, I wanted to start with Luke, um, I wanted a, I knew that audiences really wanted to see some of Luke, of what Luke had been up to and mm-hmm. how, how he got there. And I knew at the same time though, I knew this was really Ray's story. And I knew that once we got started, that I was really essentially going to stay narratively on Ray's shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it was, there it's going to be hard to get in Luke's head. I mean, if you think about it, this is, is Ray trying to figure out what has happened um, to the last Jedi, to the, the man she sees as, as a mentor and a teacher. Um, so to be loyal to that story, I mean, we really need to be in Ray's head, not Luke's. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, so starting with Luke was was a um, was a way of, of delivering some of that uh, stuff that I knew people wanted that, hey, heck, I had wanted. Um, mm mm-hmm. I also, it was a way uh, to really echo some of the themes uh, of the book. Um, Essentially, I mean, Luke's dream, it's funny, some people have have interpreted that prologue as, you know, Luke thinking of, you know, a a better future. Um, And I'm like, oh my God, no, that's not it at all. No. (laughs) What's happened in the prologue is a disaster. Mm -hmm. I mean... Everything has gone wrong in ways in ways big and small, and you know. So what? Um, I'm sorry, I'm getting way ahead of myself. We'll, we'll back up. Um, <laughs> the the idea actually went went way back. It was something I had wanted to do uh, back even in the Legends continuity. Um, I had really wanted to tell a story like that, this kind of quiet apocalypse story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had you know all those pieces of it were were in place even back then. Um, but I could never really find a reason that story existed. Like what, you know, what was the mechanism? Was it a a vision? Was it a dream? And it just, it wasn't very satisfying. I couldn't think of what that would switch to. 
uh, if you're following me. Um, yeah, by but, itself, it doesn't hold. I mean, it's not like, you know, yeah. like, remember Dallas where a whole season was, you know, Bobby in the shower and, exactly. you know, and Pam was asleep or whatever it was like. But there was a, wasn't there, is it Star Wars Infinities? Is that what it was called? That was basically like a what if kind of yeah. situation? Yeah, and th- that was that was actually an interesting starting point. And actually, my original idea for um, for Leia's fate in the dream uh, followed the old Infinities, mm-hmm. uh, where she kind of became like a dark lady of the Empire. Um, and then I realized that was I, I was like, no, nah, that's all wrong. That wouldn't happen. Um, <laughs> so um, anyway, but yeah, when I was thinking about the novelization, I, I knew I wanted to start with Luke, and I also knew that I knew I really wanted to introduce the Force unbelievably early um, for a couple of reasons so that I could kind of start that conversation um, I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, I was also thinking about the scene where Leia brings herself back to the bridge. Like I knew I wanted to show that. Mm-hmm. I knew for me, the, the key to that scene on the, in the novel was Leia interacting with the force. How has she done it? What is her experiences with the force? Uh, which was another reason um, to get that sense of the force there really early. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I got to thinking about my, my old idea uh, for that kind of quiet apocalypse dream. And I realized that it actually by accident really echoed what's happening in the last Jedi pretty nicely. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's an idea of Luke has cut himself off. He has, basically missed everything that's happened and the result has been a disaster. And then I was also, I was thinking a lot about Luke having cut himself off and I, and the will of the force as we were talking about and realized, you know, the, the cosmic force is not going to take that lying down. The cosmic force is going to try to get through those defenses. And, you know, if Luke's cut himself off, like what's the only way he'd be vulnerable. I mean, to me, the answer was fairly obvious. It's, it's when we're all vulnerable. It's in dreams. That's mm-hmm. when our defenses are down, when our minds are most open, when we're most suggestible. Um, and, you know, and then it just came together like that, that this was the force um, sending a dream to try to tell Luke that he had, he had made a mistake and that he would know that perfectly well. So, um, you know, so there it was, there's kind of a, you know, a blueprint of, of what Luke, uh, has gone through on the Island, what, what he's doing, what Ray will find, um, and an awareness that, you know, the force was kind of coming for Luke and, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and arguing with him. And on top of that, a way to, uh, a way to introduce the force as a, as a major player and almost as a character in some right. So, you know, all those things together came together. And, you know, on top of that, yeah, I mean, there was a, a first line that I knew would make readers kind of sit up and go, what? <laughs> Which, you know, is always a good thing if you can get it. So, mm-hmm. you know, but that that's what I mean. And I hope, I hope that shows that, you know, yeah, I mean, that prologue was my idea. And I knew it was a, you know, eye-catching first line. But, you know, if I think it works because it supports the story. And, um, mm-hmm. You know, that was, you know, that had to be the reason for for anything new like that uh, being in the novelization. 
And I, I spoke to Nick Martarelli, who is the executive producer of the audio book production of this. And oh, I, yeah. And I spoke to him prior to the release of both the movie and of the novelization by extension. And he said to me at the time that the first, you know, the prologue and the first two chapters take place before anything we see on screen. And he said, particularly the prologue, he said, just blew him away at the time. <laughs> and that there was a mention of a, a deep cut character where he thought to himself what is going on and it just that it blew his mind which i presume was cammy you know i haven't yeah. talked to him since then but so already you know three months prior people were going this is absolutely outstanding and i think what possibly is most remarkable that you've done by this is you've actually deepened our understanding of the force awakens as well. I mean, I think a lot of people take the, you know, the notion of the force awakens, even as just a statement as it being something that awoke in Ray. And she even talks about, you know, something is inside me and now it's awake and mm -hmm. I don't know what to do with it. But with the cosmic force being a thing that it has its own will, it's the force itself awakening and and causing awakenings it's not just yep. something that you know is limited to within a person it's actually its own force for lack of a better word it's its yeah. own entity and it's not just awakening as a passive thing it's awakening as an active thing and it's causing awakenings of its own so then when you have supreme leader snoke saying there's been an awakening have you felt it You've really, I think, done a lot to deepen the idea of what that statement means. It's not just simply, oh, there's a new Force user and it's Ray, and that's it. I think you've actually given a lot more to the idea of it. Yeah, no, I'm glad to hear you say that. Um, but, I mean, I, I immediately have to def deflect the praise. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> you know, where did that come from? Uh, a couple places. Um you know, one, I mean, a lot of that stuff about the cosmic force really comes out of the, the lost seasons of Clone Wars, um, mm. the, that kind of season six. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, there's just some mind blowing stuff in there about uh, the force, particularly the cosmic force um, and how characters interact with it. And I mean, all that I mean, fed directly into it. And I mean, just, you know, the, the Qui-Gon Yoda episodes and uh, and kind of Yoda's quest. I mean, in that in that show, I mean, those episodes just kind of changed everything and are still reverberating around. And it was great to, you know, build on what what Dave Filoni had done. And, you know, ultimately, those are, are George's ideas in there. Um, also, another thing I had done uh, on my my visit was I, I had holed up uh, with uh, Leland Chi and Pablo Hidalgo of story group a little bit mm -hmm. and just asked a, a bunch of questions and kind of brainstormed stuff. And, um, you know, the living force versus the cosmic force was, was something, uh, that we did chat about, but yeah, I mean, I mean, all books are funny and I mean, novelizations even, even more so is, you know, it's my name on the cover. And I mean, look, I did work my butt off, but <laughs> you know, it's my name on the cover, but there were so many people who, you know, without whom my name wouldn't be there and, um, you know, for whom, without whom my name means nothing. I mean, you know, starting with Ryan, but also, you know, all those other authors and all the, the lore we were able to bring in and, you know, my, my editors, uh, you know, Elizabeth Shaper at Del Rey, Jen Heddle, Mike Siglane at, uh, at Lucasfilm, the story group. I mean, there's just an enormous number of people 
watching out for me and acting <laughs> as a net and, you know, making sure the storytelling was doing what it had to do and, you know, making, um, you know, making great suggestions um, and just really helping me uh, in every way possible. Like, um, you know, another scene in the novelization that people love, for which I'm very grateful, is uh, the, the, the kind of quiet scene right at the end with Leia and Chewie uh, in the cockpit of the Falcon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we did that scene basically on the last weekend possible. <laughs> I mean, it was an ad at the very end. And, uh, and Mike and Janet at Lucasfilm had, had uh, come up with the idea and wanted to see it. Mm-hmm. And um, I, you know, without them, you know, thinking about this book and how to make it work, that scene wouldn't have existed. And, um, you know, they, they talked to me and Elizabeth about it. And I immediately was like, oh, my gosh, that's an amazing scene. I have to write that. I just hope I don't screw it up. But, um, <laughs> you know, the whole process was like that. And I'm just uh, I was incredibly lucky in that regard. And I'm very grateful uh, to all those people. I mean, starting with Ryan, but really running all the way down a very long list. And they give you the support and the and the safety to take creative risks as well, I imagine too. Oh yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. No, that that was a, something that was really fun about this process. That you know, even um, you know, even in the couple places where we sort of bent it a little and mm-hmm. you know, we pulled back before it before it broke, but um, <laughs> but um, you know, but I'm I'm so glad we did it that way. I mean, to me, that mm-hmm. was the way it it, it should have worked, as opposed to you know, kind of playing it, playing it too safe. Right. Exactly. Well, you did a fantastic job with it and I'm so glad that the reception has been so positive to it and it is well deserving of its New York times bestselling status. And I want to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule again to be on the podcast with me. For our listeners, it is The Last Jedi Novelization. You can get it at any fine online retailer or bookstore, and you can also get the audio version of it from Audible and other fine audiobook retailers as well. That's the way I'm consuming it right now, and many thanks to the folks at Penguin Random House Audio for sending me a copy of that to enjoy, along with Jason's storytelling, Mark Thompson's incredible interpretation of the story and the presentation and the narration of it, too. Uh, Jason, again, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. I know our listeners do too. Oh, thank you. It's really great for you to have me back. And I had a blast writing this and I hope people are enjoying it. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Want a free copy of The Last Jedi in 4K UHD HDR with Dolby Atmos and Dolby Vision? It's the highest quality you can possibly watch The Last Jedi at, courtesy of Voodoo. And starting Friday, March 16th, I'm giving away those 10 to the first 10 people who become patrons of the podcast at the $5.01 level or higher. And if you join at the 1138 level or higher, I'll throw in a free copy of The Force Awakens Trivia Book 2. Go to patreon.com slash sw7x7 to support the show and get your free copy of The Last Jedi. Again, that's patreon.com slash sw7x7. Welcome back. All right, so if you want to catch up on what Jason is up to in between the releases of the various novels and nonfiction books that he works on, check out his Twitter feed. That's Jason C. Fry on Twitter. And you can also check out his website, Jason Fry's Dorkery. <laughs> That's at Jason Fry, no C in this one, jasonfry.tumblr.com. And that is going to do it 
for today's episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you get those droids working out on the South Ridge, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And please support the podcast by joining us on Patreon at patreon.com SW7x7. It's not a power converter, it's Destiny Unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.